You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material. And before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Tobin Gorey, our Agri-Commodity Strategist. Tobin, nice to have you on. Yeah, good to be back with you again, Belinda. Cheers. Now, I was going to say, the last three months has been action-packed in the agri-commodity space, so we're here for our quarterly chat on all things happening, high food prices high energy prices leading to higher input prices. We've got a war that's impacted on a big grain producer and uh, shortages of food and higher prices as well. There's no shortage of things to unpack at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very full parcel. It, <laughs> it certainly is. So I think the, you're right about the high prices yeah. um, and, you know, generally the – you know, the old saying is that high prices eventually cure high prices. Um, you know that's you know, that will eventually be the case, but it's the 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 eventually part is the sort of uncertainty and what everyone's thinking about it. So, you know, it's a lot of influences there, and mm. yeah. So, how is it take to get back to more comfortable supply conditions? So, I guess that that's a question, as you say in your report, that generally what we see is that high food prices leads to higher supply, but there are a lot of constraints at the moment in, I guess, preventing or delaying that happening. And one of them, which we'll talk about later on, is the the rising costs of producing food. But before we get to that, I guess it's really important to to look at, I guess, the current state and the outlook for season twenty twenty two and inventory levels out there in the agri-space. What are we seeing on that front? In a word, they're sparse. Mm. So, you know, this this process of uh, winding down inventories, some of it is those inventory levels are low. They're in a place where, you know, every cut to inventory from here has a, has a larger impact on price. So if you lose X on of supply, we get, more than you know, get two X on price at this stage, so they are at quite low levels uh, to start with. Um, now, some of that's coming from about the weather, mm. as is always the case in ag. You get uh, bad weather here and there, and there's been you know enough of it around to have a to to help that get to the situation we're in now. Uh, but the other thing is, we also think there's a bit of uh, a sense which we're beginning to bump up against capacity constraints in ag as well. You know, going into 2022, we had been seeing over the past few years that we had seen tightening supply. I guess we need to think about it in that context as well, that we've had tight supply, we've had turf wars for a few years now, and of course demand hasn't gone away. This run up in prices uh, really started late 2020. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, what's over 18 months, not quite two years. Um, So that process started then. And and it was then, as you say, uh, a little while back now, where the, where the screws started tightening on supply, and it's progressively got worse over the last uh, last year or so. And you know, it, it is important context, as you say, because you know, some of the events we discussed here, particularly with the Ukraine and so on, mm. have, they come in a context where you know, the supply in terms of inventory is quite tight. The capacity use is actually quite high. So even if you're losing a bit of capacity through the weather in the year. 
uh, which you know, happens every year in ag in some places, just some more than others. But even if you're returning to uh, max crop production, it's not easy to make a lot of headway broadly on, across all the grains, oil seeds and pulses mm. uh, in, in any one year. So that's what kind of brings it to a turf war context. They're bidding against one another for the available cropland at the time. So now in terms of this constraint, we don't mean that we're running out of land globally or anything like that. Um, what we're just trying to get at here is that, you know, perhaps we need some further expansion in some way in that crop supply. That's the context. And what what I'm hearing from what you've said so far with kind of still strong demand, rising prices and some forms of capacity constraints coming in, you didn't need the shock that's been caused by the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia, just given how significant both Russia and Ukraine are for particular crops. Yeah, that's right. So, it, you know, if we, we start at a place where we've got low inventory anyway and prices are on the high side, then a shock like that is, is pretty large. So, you know, Russia and Ukraine are big exporters of um, wheat, feed, grain, um, less or so on the oil seeds, but they're significant still. Now, what, what have we lost there so far? Out of Russia, it looked like it might be worse than it was, but for now, it just looks like it'll be impeded by the sanctions that the West has put on Russia, but it's not directly on the crops itself. So you know, it, what we see in terms of you know anecdotes and trade flows, um, I'm watching, uh, there's still a lot of grain and stuff coming out of Russia. So that really hasn't been cut off in the world at this stage. Um, you know, the, the commodity trading business globally is doing workarounds to get there. So it probably impedes it somewhat because it's very difficult for, um, you know, a lot of services like, you know, banking, insurance and shipping to deal directly with Russian counterparties, many of whom are sanctioned. Uh, but there is workarounds to that. So it makes it more difficult, but we're not really losing a lot of grain off the market in Russia. Ukraine, though, is much, much different. Mm. Uh, what's happening there is, you know, it's not sanctioned, obviously, but because there's a war there and, you know, the main ports uh, where where Ukraine's crop exports would leave, uh, either in the middle of a military action or they are subject to, they're unsafe, essentially, because there can be military action there at any time. It's kind of blocked a whole lot of, a lot of exports from going out. So now that, that, that kind of mattered immediately when the invasion happened because many people would have been had you know, cargoes of uh, wheat and corn and sunflower seeds coming out of Ukraine, uh, but they couldn't actually get them out anymore. So they had to scramble around and find out, and that created that initial price price flurry. Yeah. But now we're looking ahead to season 2022, we get much more of a full year effect in those crops. Uh, so you know, production will be substantially lower for all of them, and that means exports are also lower. So you know, if, 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 in a typical year, Ukraine is like a, on average, 28 million tonne wheat producer, to give it some numbers. Yeah. It'll export over 18 million tonnes of that. Uh, what the USDA has estimated for this year is they'll, they'll harvest 20 million tonnes of wheat and export 10 million tonnes. So that's yeah. kind of a sizable gap in there. And that, to give it a bit of scale, you know, I think the consumption wise production rather is about 30 million tonnes this year. So you know, missing 8 million tonnes of wheat out of Ukraine is obviously a significant part of that. So that's just to give you some scale of, uh, of the effect here with that. That's right. And I guess it compounds depending on how much longer we see the 
supply constrained uh, in the Ukraine as well. So you've talked about the 2021 season, how that was constrained partially through exports. But 2022, I guess we'll see an impact from the amount harvested as well as the amount exported as well. So it kind of compounds from here, doesn't it? Yeah, spot on. So the, so the biggest impact. So the biggest impact is uh, you'll get a full year impact this year in corn and sunflower seeds, mm. um, but we'll have to wait one more year for the full impact in wheat because um, the wheat that's being harvested now was planted before the invasion. Right. So, so the the trouble comes even further next year when if the conflict is not uh, somehow stopped. Um, there won't there'll be a lot less planting next year as well. So the problem worsens in season twenty twenty three, uh, if you want to look that far ahead. Now we've talked about the impact from the war in the Ukraine on grains, particularly, but also what we've seen happen as a result was a has been a sharp lift in energy prices. So particularly that's impacting on oil and gas. Uh, we've talked about on this podcast before about how much Europe relies on both oil and gas from Russia, but we've seen a global impact on higher energy prices. Now, this is a big issue for the agricultural space just because it is a significant input into the cost of producing agriculture supply, isn't it? Uh, spot on. Yeah, producing crops uses a fair bit of fuel, just all the machinery and, and, and things like that. It also... Um, there's quite a few chemicals that are essentially oil-based anyway, mm-hmm. so they're much more expensive. The biggest one, though, by far for ag is, is gas prices, just because that is such an important uh, feed into producing eventually uh, fertilisers of all types. Mm-hmm. And so the prices on those things have roofed. Um, so now the, the issue with that is you know, that it, it's kind of bad. So it actually what it does is at the, at the production level on the farm, that means costs have gone up. So though we've got very high prices for crops, um, that doesn't translate into higher profits uh, for farmers. So there, so and you know, we need a lift in production, and and as I mentioned earlier, we probably need some capacity expansion. Now you can get some organic capacity expansion with existing land, just because people will you know use a lot more fertilizer. Um, they'll plant parts of their farm that it might be low yield normally, but you know, if you pay people enough for it, it's worthwhile doing it. Uh, problem is, if the costs go up to, to, to crunch that, then you don't get that extra production. And that's certainly been the case globally. Uh, you know, the amount of uh, land planted to grain, soil seeds and pulses this year, based on USDA's numbers, um, is large, it's pretty much the same as last year. So that, that price hike has not bought extra production um, right. in terms of that yield focus. So, so that's and, 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 to, and to us that you know, a big part of that is that uh, the profitability hasn't hasn't gone up. So, um, I think there are you know, two dots you can reasonably join on that. So, so the progress you're making in uh, restoring those restoring that supply yeah. and boosting those inventories again um, is going to be modest. So, what we've seen this year is that. Um, pl- Farmers are planting crops which are less fertilizer intensive, um, so we've you know effectively lost about five million hectares globally um, from grain production, so wheat, corn, and the like, and you know about half of that's gone into oil seeds, and um, and then gone to other places from there. So we've so that that switching around has had an impact too. So we get a bit of a supply boost this year on the oil seed side, mm. but even that is. Pretty modest. So, and come around to season twenty-three, and they'll still have 
still be trying to outbid one of the different crops uh, for cropland again to try and to try and catch up. And that and that's uh, that, it's just it's just another curveball that we didn't really need right now, given our kind of tight supply starting point. So we've we've ha- we've heard about the tight supply. We've heard about uh, the rising input prices, which is also further constraining the ability to lift, I guess, crop production because farmers are more reluctant to to plant and uh, I guess increase their yield because of the higher prices. The issue of food supply and high food prices is be- is becoming an issue that's been talked about more broadly rather than just in the agricultural space. I mean, we've seen it in the the headline inflation data in every country uh, we're seeing it on the shelves of the supermarkets what are some of the implications of that and and the outlook going forward well as it becomes a broader issue um, as you mentioned there you know particularly it's you know most high level international meetings at at different levels so this this topic it had started to become a topic of discussion anyway prior to Ukraine Russia but certainly that Pressure from that event has sped up the response. So, you know, you see things at G7 level. So, you know, they've got a couple of initiatives coming out of there that will uh, try and particularly try and support, um, uh, you know, for the you know very very poor in the world. Um, you know, a huge part of their income goes on food and mm-hmm. basic food at that. Nothing nothing fancy like like um, we have we have the luxury of here in the West. Um, so, but you know, there, there'll be—it's very much on the radar. But some of those will include enabling those poor consumers, uh, not directly but indirectly, to, to, to keep on buying food. Otherwise, they would go. Otherwise, many more people would be hungry or worse. Uh, and so, and you know, you've got to have some demand destruction, as they call it, mm. um, with higher prices. That's the, that's the point of it. But I think what the world's decided is that, well, we're not going to do that at the expense of you know people who are, who are hungry or worse. Uh, we're going to um, keep them in the game, keep them buying food, uh, and so that the you know, demand destruction, the economisation of things has to come from elsewhere. Now that uh, you know, I don't think anybody's really argue with that. Is it, that's a that's a good thing, uh, but the consequence it does have is prices probably end up higher than otherwise because the 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 easiest people to uh, you know reduce demand from are the lowest income people. Um, but if you don't do that, then someone else has got to make the make the economisation or reduce their consumption uh, elsewhere. So you know that that response is there. The flip side of it is because it's on you know as I say ags are on Broadway. Mm. Um, it does highlight the issue to you know, there's a private response here too, as well as a you know a public or governmental response, and that is to put ag on the radar as a place for investment, and that is what really uh, ex- expanding capacity somehow, some way. That might be more land, it might be more yield, it might yeah. be alternative ways of doing things, and there's plenty of capital out there for it. But it kind of galvanises the process. So, so a broader range of investors become aware. They invest a bit of time in, oh, okay, well, um, this is maybe an opportunity. They investigate it and, and then end up putting more money into it. So it's kind of part of the process of high prices, curing high prices. You know, like I say, best, you know, one and a half, two years into this, um, by the time this investment flow comes around, it's probably another couple of years down the track. So, um, you know, we're in a period of fairly long live, um, not boom necessarily, but a, but a period of expansion uh, somehow uh, for food supply. Um, but it needs to get to that level 
to do that. It needs to be, um, you know, up until, uh, you know, early this year, people within agri-commodities were all aware of this, mm. uh, but the awareness was not outside. Uh, and, and, and the people outside it need to be aware of it as well to get the capital inflow to solve the problem. That sounds like a good place to leave it, Tobin. We've seen, we've talked about the high prices, but the constrained supply. But as you say, it's really the investment story from now that that needs to be the focus. Appreciate you joining yes. today and catching you up on catching us up on all things agriculture. Thanks, Linda. Good to talk to you again. Now, if you are interested in Tobin Gorey's Ag Q, uh, which is his quarterly. Uh, publication which goes into all this in detail that was published on the 2nd of June 2022 and is found on combankresearch.com.au.